Uh, one of the things, I, I'm just sharing, this is not a part of my message, and I'm not even into it yet, but uh, one of the things that uh, I, we had our Wednesday, uh, our Wednesday night Bible study, our youth group, uh, the, last Wednesday, and we start off, we just kind of turn down the lights, and we just have some personal worship time, and one of the things the Lord reminded me of is there was, this was probably like three or four years ago, uh, me and Emma, we were at this prophetic night here, and um, there was a couple here prophesying, I don't even remember their names, but they had called us up, and then they had prophesied over us. One of the things they prophesied over us, and really the main thing that they prophesied over us was that um, that we had, they'd seen us with shovels and kind of digging dirt, and they said basically that we had kind of toiled the land, toiled the ground for a while, and and that there was coming this season where we would see the harvest of our toiling, essentially. And and we're in, in worship, and I really felt the Holy Spirit basically say, open your eyes and look around, like the season, you're in the season of harvest that was prophesied over you. You know, as I, oh, as I open my eyes and I look around, I see, you know, there were some girls over kind of in the corner, um, just kind of praying together and encouraging each other in this worship time. And everybody else is just kind of like lost in worship. I mean, some of them are just like on the floor, other other than walking around just in worship. Um, and it was just, it was just amazing to see that. Sometimes I feel like we always talk about the next season. You know what I mean? Like we're coming into this new season and we never really until it's past realize the season that we're in. And I really believe that right now we are actually in a season of harvest. Like we're in the middle of it and, and we look around and man, we come, we had, uh, uh, and I, I mean, I'm connected with the teenagers, so I, maybe I'm a little hyper-focused on them a lot of the times, but you know, we had a worship night, an outdoor worship night, and they came to the worship night in their homecoming attire before they actually went to homecoming. And most of even us adults would have said, well, I can't make it to the worship night because I have this thing going on afterwards. If we had something as important as homecoming, they get dressed up early and come in their homecoming attire to, to, to worship the Lord before they go out to dinner and then go off to, to worship. And that's just awesome. I mean, we are, yeah, we're in a, We're in a season when, you know, the world will tell you that, like, Pastor Jeff has said this before, the world will tell you that young people are disinterested in, in, in this. And, and listen, what we've done here at Abundant Life is we've just introduced them to the, to the presence of God. And He has, He is enticing. And we have young people, and, and not only just young people, maybe that's just because, like I said, it's the ministry that I'm in, and it's the place that I surround myself the most with, with people that are hungry for the presence of God. And, and it doesn't necessarily always look like we expect it to look like. It doesn't always look like a large quantity of people. Sometimes it just looks like a core of people that are really hungry for the presence of God. When I first started leading uh, the teenagers, I remember, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest with you. I just helped because somebody asked me to help. And, uh, and you know, we would have events and stuff like that, and, you know, for I didn't know how you measure success necessarily, so we would just be counting heads. We had this many people there, it was successful. And, um, and we had times where we would be just packed upstairs with young people. And that's awesome, there's nothing wrong with that. We want people to know Jesus. But, but now we have maybe a little bit of a smaller of a group, but this, kind of the smaller group that we have, they are, uh, they are hungry for the presence of God. They're not here just because their parents made them come. They really are hungry for the presence of God. Really the desire of my heart. Maybe in my early, earlier time leading them, I, I wasn't sure how to do that or, 
or maybe I felt too much like I had to, to, to kind of um, entertain them a little bit. Um, I don't even really engage in that anymore. For the most part, we just allow the presence of God to do what the presence of God will do. And what we've seen is the fruitfulness of it and the harvest of it. And we, as this body, we're in a season of harvesting. I, uh, I am especially grateful to share this message with you today. Um, I'm always thankful to be here, and I'm always thankful to get to, this is such an honor and a privilege to be able to do this. But uh, I'm especially thankful today because a couple weeks ago, I wasn't so sure I was going to be able to do this today. Um, I was just coming off of 10 days of being very, very, very sick with COVID. And um, my, I, I came back to church two weeks ago today, um, but I was only here for the 9.30. And I remember walking through, I'm like, I can't even think straight. My brain was so foggy. I was exhausted. I felt like I had just been in like my full body, spirit, and mind had just been in, like a 10-round boxing match with Mike Tyson in his prime. That's how I felt. Just beat up. I couldn't think straight. I was like just beat up. And I wasn't so sure how long it was going to take for me to come back to normal. Thank God I'm feeling pretty normal today. I've been feeling normal. God is good and he, and he, uh, and he heals us and, and he's restored me. And I'm so thankful just to even be able to share this message with you today. Before I get any further, let me just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to work in this time. Lord, we just thank you for your presence, for your goodness, Lord. We're thankful. I'm thankful just to be here today, to, to get to share your word, Lord. Lord, we just invite you into this time. We give this time over to you. We surrender this time to you to, to do what you will in it, Lord. I surrender my voice to you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you w- would just breathe out of me the words that you desire to be spoken here today. No more and no less, Lord. We love you and we honor you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last time I spoke uh, down here, which was a month ago, I, uh, I talked about steadfast hope. And I talked about hope being... Um, not just the decision of our mind, but an engagement of our entire being, all of our be- being, our mind, body, our spirit, physically pursuing hope. And I talked about uh, I talked about hope being an open door for the glory of the Lord to flow through. And I talked about Jesus being a conquering King who still conquers kingdoms. And and even even Emma was on the worship team that morning, and she prophesied during the worship time that the Lord wanted to heal those who had been struggling with with sleeplessness, those who had been struggling in sleep. Um, He wanted to bring physical rest to your bodies. And little did we know that two days later, I was going to get really, really, really sick. And um, I had every symptom, not just every symptom of COVID, but I think every symptom ever known to humanity for sickness. Every one of them, I had them all. And... uh, Probably one of the worst of which was I had a lot of trouble breathing. I, I felt, felt like somebody was sitting on my chest, and, um, and I had to, if you've ever had somebody just sit on you, it feels like uh, you have to suck air in. You have to think about every breath, and you're pulling air into your lungs. And that's how it felt for me for like five days. And because of that, when you're thinking about every breath, and you're just sitting in a chair struggling to breathe all day, <laughs> basically, um, because of that, I wasn't sleeping good. So it's, it, it was almost as if, you know, I had shared this message and Emma had prophesied this thing. And then here I was two days later and Satan was saying, you got a big mouth, boy. <laughs> and we're going to put this to the test and see if you believe the things that you say. See if you can walk through these things when they, when they hit hard. When your feet are put to the fire, who are you going to be? 
And um, it reminded me a little bit of the story of Job, and not just because of the suffering, not even because of the suffering. And honestly, Job suffered way worse than I suffered for 10 days. Job lost his family, he lost his livelihood, and then he lost his health. I was just really, really sick. And, but the thing that, that I can relate to in the story of Job is that my suffering seemed meaningless. It seemed totally purposeless. It seemed completely unfruitful. I was so sick that I couldn't even open up my Bible and read my Bible. I, 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 couldn't, uh, I couldn't do anything. I could barely stand to, to, to talk to my wife. At night when I would normally pray with my wife before we go to bed, I had to ask her to pray because literally physically I couldn't bring myself to even do that. I couldn't even put a puzzle together with my son. I was seemed to be just like wasting away for 10 days. And it seemed completely unfruitful. And in that time, I had, I had put to action the things that the Lord had put in my heart before, the week before. I had hoped in the Lord for a miracle. I had hoped that the Lord would just miraculously heal me. I knew that he could, and I believed that he would. I had left the door open for the glory of the Lord to flow through and heal me. And my case was not what most people would consider miraculous. Now, I know because I know... Uh, the Lord, that I know that every day is a miracle. And I know that um, even the natural is miraculous. I mean, the fact that I have an immune system in my body that is actively fighting something that is attacking me is a miracle. I, I think it's a miracle that, that, that the vitamins that help strengthen my immune system come from nature. So even the natural is, is a miraculous, but most people that aren't of faith would not look at me and say, wow, that was, a, that was a miracle. Your case was a miracle. I was tremendously sick for exactly the amount of days that people were expected to be tremendously sick. And I know because I research it like every day, like when's this going to end? You know, when does this symptom stop? At some point I was headed downhill fast. At some point I figured something's got to give here. You know what I'm saying? But not, it wasn't what most people would consider a, a miracle. It wasn't what I expected when I had prayed for a miracle. I wanted to be hit with the symptoms and then I wanted to pray and I wanted them to stop immediately. And I know the Lord could do that because I know he's done it before. And when I was coming out of this sickness, I was finally, I mean, I, it, was like, it was like, I was really sick for one day and then the next day I felt all right. And then it was from then on, it was just downhill, feeling worse and worse every single day. And, uh, when I finally hit that point where I started to feel a little bit better, I felt like I had hit that breakthrough time where I was starting to feel better. My brain was foggy. I couldn't think straight. But I told Emma, I told her, I, I know there's something significant in this because if there was no grace and there was no goodness in this for me, if there was no way for the Lord to be glorified in this, he would have healed me miraculously because I had invited him to do so. I had opened the door for him to come in and just heal me miraculously. But I, I didn't have what I expected to have. But I knew that the reason I didn't have what I expected to have was because the Lord intended for that time to be used for his glory. And he intended for that to be used for my goodness. I believe more than I believe that the sky is blue and the grass is green, I believe that word of the Lord is true. And I believe that, that when, when the scripture says that he works all things together for the good of those who love him, 
I believe that means he works all things together, all things, every day, every bad day, every suffering together for the good of those who love him and I love him. So I, I know more than I know anything else, I know that the Lord intended for goodness in this. And as I started to recover and my brain started to um, become less foggy, I, uh, I, I kept pressing into these questions. And the reason I pressed into these questions and not just moved past them was because I'm desperate for the Lord to be glorified in every aspect of my life. I'm hungry for the Lord to be glorified in everything, the good days and the bad days. Not only that, but I know that, that this COVID that I had was from Satan. It was from the enemy, and I know that it was from the enemy because it wasn't just a physical attack, but, but Satan intended to attack me physically and mentally so that he could attack me spiritually. Because I like to think that I have a strong spirit, so him, in order for him to put me in a vulnerable state, in order for him to put my spirit in a vulnerable state, he had to break down my body and he had to break down my mind. I'm not used to being sick. I don't usually get sick. Um, I'm a fairly healthy person. And in all honesty, I expected to kind of cruise through this. I'm 32 years old. I'm healthy. I work out regularly. I'm going to cruise through this. And I did not cruise through this. Trust me, I did not cruise through this. <laughs> it was rough. And, uh, and so I press into these, these questions. I felt like the Lord started to show me the purpose in this time. There are some lessons that I started to learn from this time, from these two weeks of, of, of being sick that, uh, that I'm going to share with you today. And I, and I share these with you today in, in hopes that they'll encourage you in, in times when you might be going through some struggle and not see purpose and not see meaning in it and not see the Lord's grace in it. I hope that you'll be able to see God's mercy and his, his love and even your hardest of moments and hardest of days. So I'm going to share some lessons that I've learned from COVID. Lesson number one. I got three lessons here for you. Lesson number one. Suffering pre prepares us for new seasons. Sometimes our spirits hit a little bit of a ceiling. And, I, and when I say that, I don't mean that we regress in our faith. I don't mean that we are even struggling in our walk with Jesus. I don't mean that we're disengaged or disinterested in the presence of God. I don't even mean that we've stopped receiving new revelation from the Lord. What I mean by that is I mean that the Lord's will is to take us into this next season or this next phase spiritually. And in order for him to take us there, he needs to equip us to be able to manage this new season spiritually. And he equips us to be able to manage this new season spiritually by sometimes pressing us into situations we're uncomfortable. And sometimes that means suffering. But he brings us into these places of suffering by his grace to equip us spiritually for what's to come. When I was thinking about this and preparing for this message, I realized that, you know, our body here, our family here, Abundant Life Fellowship, we have dealt with some suffering lately. We've had uh, quite a few families that have been sick, similar to me. Um, you know, we've lost people that we really, really love. I mean, our, the person who's anointed to lead our body and lead our house went through a major medical situation this summer. We've been dealt some suffering, some trial, 
what some people might call just some hardship. We've been, we've been dealt it. And when I was, I was thinking about this and I was, I was kind of scanning the scriptures and looking into this, I realized that almost anybody in scripture that had any significant impact on the kingdom experienced some sort of suffering. Moses wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. David hid in a cave from uh, a kingdom that was trying to pursue him and kill him that he was anointed to be king over. Elijah hid by a brook for three years. His only company was a raven's that would bring him food, hiding from Ahab and Jezebel because they were pursuing him, trying to kill him. John the Baptist was put in jail. Peter was beaten, put in jail. Paul was stoned, beat, drug outside a city, and left for dead. John was exiled to an island. All of these guys had significant impacts on the kingdom, and every one of them experienced some form of suffering. There was a common, um, a common characteristic of their lives, and that common characteristic is suffering. But there's another common characteristic of their life, and that other con- common characteristic of their life is each one of those men experienced extreme intimacy with the Lord. The scripture says that Moses talked to God as a friend talks to a friend. David was called beloved by God, a man after God's own heart. Elijah had multiple encounters with the Lord where the Lord spoke directly to him. And then eventually he was thrown in a chariot of fire and taken off into heaven. John the Baptist, John the Baptist literally baptized the Messiah. Peter walked with Jesus through the entirety of his ministry. Paul experienced the presence of Jesus on a road to Damascus that completely changed his life forever. And John, while he was, while he was in his suffering, while he was exiled on that island, was taken into the throne room of heaven and given the revelation of the return of Jesus. Each one of these men experienced suffering, but they also experienced extreme intimacy. And I say that because I believe as I, as I look back, maybe our suffering isn't as bad as these guys suffering, but it was suffering nonetheless. And I believe that what the Lord is doing is he's actually delivering us, our body, in a new season of intimacy, extreme intimacy with Father. And I think that he's doing that maybe by breaking this ceiling allowing us to see him from a perspective that we haven't seen him before. We need to be able to see him. There's a perspective of Jesus that we see in suffering that we can't see from comfort. And by his grace, he allows us to see that, that perspective of him, in order to equip us for the intimacy that he intends to bring us into. And not only just bring us into, because I don't don't want to talk about the what the Lord's going to do because I believe that it's what he's doing right now. I believe that we're in a season of extreme intimacy. When I, when I talk about the teenagers and being in this harvest season, what, we're, what I'm really saying is that we are in a season of extreme intimacy. And maybe we're just at the beginning of that. I, I, I really believe that we're just at the beginning of that. And what the Lord is going to do is greater than what he's doing now. The Lord is equipping us through and in suffering for new seasons. Number two, the second lesson that I learned in COVID is that suffering allows us to see 
through the eyes of eternity. I have not spent a lot of my life thinking about heaven. Um, and not that I haven't studied heaven, I have studied heaven, but heaven to me always seemed uh, distant. I'm 32, and like I said, I've never had any major medical issues ever in my life. And so heaven always seemed like it, it was a reality, but it was a reality that was far off. And there were some moments when I was sick where I wasn't sure how this ended. <laughs> and it wasn't because I didn't trust in the Lord, and it wasn't because I didn't hope in the Lord, but naturally, I know that my body is declining what seems like daily. And there were some moments, maybe briefly, where I just wasn't sure where this ended. I was hoping that we were going to stop somewhere before I died and went to heaven. <laughs> I was hoping I was going to stop declining somewhere before I hit that point, you know? But, but there was just some moments where I wasn't sure. And in that time, um, I thought a lot about heaven. And I longed for heaven, maybe more than I've ever longed for heaven in my life. And I don't mean that I longed to die. I didn't long to, I didn't long to leave my, 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 family or anything like that. I longed for the reality, a reality, where sickness wasn't anymore. And not just for me, but for anybody. I longed for a reality where, where um, everything was exactly as God created it to be, which is good. And even coming out of this now, uh, my mind has still been so focused on eternity. I, I, I realize now that I've spent a lot of my time and my energy and my resources and my thoughts on things that don't matter in the scope of eternity. And I think one of the blessings of suffering is that we get to see the reality of eternity. When we seem to be, even if, even if we may not be, ever, listen, the Lord numbers every one of our days. No matter if you feel like you're close to eternity or not, you are no closer than anybody else. The Lord has numbered each one of our days. But uh, in feeling like maybe I was closer to eternity than I've been in my life, I was able to see um, through the lens of eternity. Things seem to fall into perspective when you suffer a little bit you start to realize what really matters and what doesn't really matter. I've heard people say before, like, when you're on your deathbed, nobody thinks about wishing they were, would make more money. And that's true, and I've always known the concept of that, but now I know the reality of that, you know? And, and, I, and I really feel like what the Lord, uh, one of the blessings of the Lord is he, he takes his scripture and he makes it what before maybe had been understood as a concept, he allows us to understand as a reality. And one of the scriptures that, uh, that I believe that the Lord brought to reality for me is uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. And he says, All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I think in recognizing the frailness of life, it makes us to reflect on important questions. One of the questions 
that I've been reflecting on is this. How have I been transformed by the eternal word of God into the image of Christ so my life might be impactful for an eternity? And another question that I've been asking is what I spend my time, energy, resources, and thoughts on going to echo through eternity or will it wither and fall with my body? I hope that we would all reflect on these questions. The last thing I want is for any of you have to deal with what I had to deal with with those 10 days. But I would also hope that you would understand the reality of that. I hope that you would... uh, I hope that you would be blessed to see the Lord from that perspective. I think that all of this, this, this thought is really summed up in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says, starting in verse 7. It says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that surpa- the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to What has been written, I believed, so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is, uh, for it is all for your sake so that the grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And that brings me really well into the third thing that I've learned from COVID. And that is that gratitude is a weapon. Everything that brings us closer to the Lord is a gift. COVID to me, because I will press into the Lord, I will look back and COVID will be a gift. Now that I'm in this place of restoration, I don't look back and say, God, why would you do this to me? Why would you allow this to happen to me? Why, would you, why wouldn't you heal me when I prayed for your healing? I hoped for your healing. I had just testified of your healing the week before, and I expected that that would prophesy of my healing now. Why didn't you do that? I don't say that. What I do is I look back and I'm thankful that the Lord would allow me to suffer for a brief moment in order to have more of the one thing that I need in my life, which is him. I'm thankful that the Lord doesn't leave me in my comfort when there's more of him right on the other side of my discomfort.
when I, uh, when I first got sick, I felt the Lord pressing Psalm 23 onto my heart. Literally the first day I got sick. We have a little group, uh, group uh, Snapchat group thing for uh, our teenagers, and, and, and every once in a while I'll send scriptures or something in there. And the first day that I was sick, I sent Psalm 23. Told the, I told the kids I was sick, and then I sent Psalm 23 in this. This, this was a, the Lord was really pressing this into my heart. I've never been really good at reciting, or uh, I've never been really good at memorizing scripture. I can tell you a lot of scripture. I've never been good at um, giving you a scripture and a scripture reference. I should say that. Never been good at that. And maybe it's because I probably haven't put enough time and effort into that. I read and I study a lot, but I don't do a lot of the memorization. <laughs> But for whatever reason, the first day that I was sick, um, I felt this desire to memorize Psalm 23. And so I, uh, by God's grace, I, I memorized Psalm 23 the first day that I was sick. And for just anybody that doesn't know what Psalm 23 says, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When, I, when the Lord pressed that onto my heart, I wasn't sure why. I was still expecting healing quickly. I was expecting that I was going to have so much time to study, to read, to worship, to play with my son while I was quarantined. And little did I know that I was going to have much less time than I thought. And in the next two weeks, every single line of the scripture was going to be incredibly valuable to me. And I must have recited the scripture in my mind hundreds of times during the time that I was sick. And I didn't always know why. I, didn't always, I couldn't always connect my spirit and my mind to what I was reciting. But what I was reciting, the living word of God, was literally fighting a spiritual battle inside of me. Because Satan wanted to break down my body and my mind in order to attack me spiritually. And the thing that was defending my spirit was the living word of God. In moments where I felt like I was desperate for any form of relief, the Lord would remind me that he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. When my, my spirit felt completely under attack by fear and intimidation, he would remind me that he restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When I was in my darkest and deepest moments, he would remind me that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear evil because he is with me. My shepherd is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. And in the times where I felt like Satan was having victory over this time, he would remind me that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies that he anoints my head with oil. You know where that comes from? In that time, uh, the shepherds would pour oil over the head of their sheep. The reason they would pour oil over the head of their sheep is because these bugs 
would get and burrow into the sheep's ear and it would prevent, it would make the sheep go deaf. And when the sheep went deaf, they couldn't hear their shepherd and they would be vulnerable to the enemy. And that's where, that's why we anoint our heads with oil. And I needed reminded that even though I felt like I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord had anointed my head with oil. And the enemy wasn't going to burrow into my spirit and prevent me from hearing my shepherd, even in my worst moments. And the one thing in these 10 days, these two weeks of being sick, that I needed more than anything was this promise from the Lord that his goodness and his mercy will follow me every single day of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I look back at these, this time that in the natural seemed horrible, hard, damaging to myself. And I only see God's grace in it. And the Lord will be glorified in those, in those two weeks. He'll be glorified because of those two weeks. And I will take on a heart of gratitude because of those two weeks. Because gratitude isn't isn't uh, thankfulness for the good things that the Lord is doing. It's recognition that God's grace is in everything. And when we recognize that God's grace is in everything, what he does is he it, it disarms Satan because every, every authority that Satan has over our lives is a facade. He doesn't have any authority in this world unless it's given to him by our mind. And I, I, I by by being grateful for, for what the Lord is doing in this, I've disarmed Satan and, and I've given power and authority over that situation back to the Lord. And he really is taking what the enemy meant for evil and he's using it for good. And there's somebody in here that's going to be encouraged by this word and every bit of those 10 days of suffering is going to be worth it. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to, I'm going to share this, uh, last thought. I don't have this in my notes here. Uh, um, but I had been pondering this all week. I didn't know where I was going to place it in my notes, but it seems like the appropriate time. Um, one of the things that I've been pondering is the fact that even death is a product of the Lord's grace. And that sounds backwards because death is also a result of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the Lord addresses Adam and Eve, and he says to Eve that you're, uh, he says that you're, you're going to have pain in childbirth. You're going to have multiplied pain in childbirth. And then he says to Adam, he says that the things that um, were meant to be easy for you, the things that were meant to bless you, are now going to kind of fight against you, and you're going to have to toil the land. You're going to have to toil for what would have been given to you freely before. But then the Lord does this. Then God says, I'm kicking you out of the garden. I'm removing you from the garden. But the reason he says I'm removing you from the garden is he says because there's a tree of life in the garden and if you eat of it, you'll have eternal life. And he puts a guard so that nobody could ever enter into that and eat of that. Why would he do that? He had created Adam and Eve to walk in the splendor of his perfect presence. 
and their sin was going to make what the Lord had intended for good. He was going to make them toil for that. The Lord didn't want them to toil forever, so he gave them a gateway back into the splendor of his presence. And the gateway back into the splendor of his perfect presence was through death. And it's hard for us to see here because we just look at death as loss. But if we could stand on the other side of eternity and look back, we would see death as the absolute grace of God. That he would at some point welcome us, even in our brokenness, even in our sinfulness, he would welcome us back into the splendor of his eternal glory. At the end of the day, I was sick for 10 days and I recovered. But even if I didn't, the Lord's grace would abound in me. You may not have seen it here, but I would have experienced it in heaven. Because in everything, God has grace. There's grace in your suffering. There's grace in your loss. There's grace in what the physical might look at and say is defeat. There's grace in it. And we hope and we invite the Lord to come in and work in miraculous ways. But even if he doesn't, it's for our good. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your grace, for your mercy, Lord. Even in the hard times, God, we're thankful that you don't leave us in our comfort if your goodness is on the other side of our discomfort, Lord. We're thankful that you work all things together for the good of those that love us that love you, Lord. And we're thankful, God, that, that, uh, that, that your goodness and mercy follows us every day of our life, that we get to dwell in the house of the Lord for all of our lives. Lord, we approach even suffering with hearts of gratitude. We take the weapon of gratitude, Lord, and we fight our enemies. We're thankful that you love us, Lord even beyond our own comprehension, even beyond what we can know, even beyond what we could see, you love us, Lord. Lord, I pray that this word would encourage anybody that is going through or might go through suffering, that they would be reminded that your grace is in it. That even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are with us. Lord, we invite you to go with us. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.